0: In our Your Stock, Our Tech segment, we answer two listener questions. The first is on high-growth online grocery Good Food Market Corp., symbol F-O-O-D on the TSX, which delivers fresh meal solutions and grocery items that make it easy for its 230,000 members from coast to coast to, coast to enjoy delicious meals at home every week. Our second company is is one, if not one of the biggest business success stories over the past couple of decades, Alphabet Inc., symbol G-O-O-G on the NASDAQ. It is the world leader in online search and advertising services. Many of you know the business as Google. The Google segment offers products such as ads, Android, Chrome, Google Cloud, Google Maps, Google Play, Hardware, Search, and YouTube, as well as technical infrastructure. The company also offers digital content, cloud services, hardware devices, and miscellaneous products and services. We let you know if this tech giant has more room still left to grow. I'm going to welcome just aaron this week brennan is off the podcast this week as he's uh selling tickets to
1: our upcoming diy seminars are you looking forward to those aaron oh absolutely we're, we're gonna come up with some new content and uh pretty excited about that as well as you know ryan every um every year or so we like to refresh the content for our diys and really kind of use the experience that we have talking to people at these events to figure out what exactly um, it is that that they're interested in learning, um, and what type of information we can provide them that will give them the best value—actual practical tools that they can apply um, to becoming better investors, making better investment decisions, and of course, avoiding really bad uh, investment ideas. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be another amazing event.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to get out there, talk to our clients, but mainly, you know, talk to new clients that we can potentially help. Simply build that 15 to 25 stock portfolio, uh, save on fees, and uh, mainly, you know, find some great individual stocks to put in uh, that investment portfolio. And I'm happy to say we're going to be in nine cities this spring. We're going to start off in Kelowna on March 31st. We're going to be in Calgary on April 1st, April Fool's Day. We're going to be Edmonton on April 2nd. The next week, we're going to be back in Vancouver on April 7th, in Langley on April 8th, in Victoria on April 9th. And the final week, we're going to be out east, Markham on April 14th, Oakville on April fifteenth, and we're gonna visit Montreal for the first time on April sixteenth. So anybody who's listening out there in Montreal, we encourage you to come by uh, that uh, that seminar. It's the first time we'll be out there. We've had many requests, so we'll see what type of crowd we get when we're out there. But we're gonna really simply focus on how to build that simple fifteen to twenty stock, twenty five stock portfolio that enriches you, not your advisor. Learn why the traditional big bank, high fee diversified model is killing your returns. talk about some hot topics. Alternative energy stocks have a top buy there. And find out if environmental, social, and governance or ESG stocks, which are all the rage, or that type of investing is all the rage, is right for your portfolio. Gonna quickly look at cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and cannabis. See if there's some buys in your portfolio there, or if you should be avoiding some of those sectors. Aaron's gonna talk about the profile of a great stock. Uh, We're gonna talk about how dividend growth stocks can provide both great income and tremendous long-term growth in your portfolio. We're gonna find out some macro, our quick macro overview of the markets, whether or not stocks are cheap or expensive, what to do in a recession or a crash. We're gonna reveal and discover five stocks that we believe should be in your portfolio today. And we're just going to help you simplify your portfolio, pay less fees, and take control of your financial uh, future in 2020. Uh, It's your money, so why not make the choice to uh, start down this path today? And we hope to see many of you there at these events over uh, the coming months.
1: Well, when you say it like that, Ryan, it seems like we have our work cut out for us. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of content. There's a lot of information, but we've been doing this for several years now, so... Yeah, uh, we, we, we've, we boiled it, we've broken it down to a, to a good system.
0: For sure. Now, we've got two you know, kind of hot-button topics we're going to talk about this week before we get into the two companies. Uh, the first is coronavirus fears, and then we're going to talk about Warren Buffett's uh, AGM, the annual general meeting of Berkshire Hathaway, and Aaron's got some thoughts there after uh, listening to uh, and reading through the shareholder letter. Now, I'm going to talk about the corona fears. Uh, we getting, we've getting we got many questions on this, and understandably so. Uh, now, I think there's two factors at play here, the pullback that we saw over the start of this week. Number one, one thing we know is that markets hate uncertainty. Now, the possibility of a global pandemic, however remote, will cause uncertainty. So it's not surprising that the markets have pulled back. There is an economic impact here in China. For example, just anecdotally, Shanghai Disney, a joint venture between Disney and the Chinese government, which is packed on a regular basis, is shut down at present. Many uh, places where there are large gatherings are just shut down and not allowed to go on at present. So there'll be an impact there. Now, whether the coronavirus spreads globally and impacts commerce still remains to be seen. Historically, these type of events have been isolated to a quarter or two financially speaking perhaps this case will be different as the coronavirus has certainly already spread more than SARS for example but humankind is likely more prepared to deal with this type of situation today while it may cause quarterly fluctuations to commerce if you are buying businesses with solid profitability and cash flow These type of events are most often seen as blips when you look two to five years forward. So if you own, for example, the Boyd Groups or the Brookfield Infrastructures of the World, our recommendations in your portfolio, you should sleep well at night knowing that two to five years forward, these businesses will continue to prosper likely and your shares in these businesses should move higher uh, uh, as long as they continue to grow their businesses along this journey. Number two would be that in regards to the sell-off that we've seen, the market uh, had a very strong 2019 and a good start to 2020. Uh, So generally speaking, valuations were more pricey. It is a good excuse for a sell-off, and uh, hopefully we can find some bargains as the market sell-off, maybe some babies thrown out with the bathwater. Given the gains that we saw over the past couple years in the markets, this is a minor pullback, relatively speaking.
1: Certainly. And and nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, nobody can tell you what the market is going to do over the next six days or even next six months. And we're never trying to predict that. But what we're doing is we're researching real businesses. We're finding real businesses that have sustainable long-term growth over time. And if you're investing in those types of companies... Um, It shouldn't matter what happens over the next six months or even over the next 12 months. You're really investing uh, for the next two to three to five years as those companies execute their strategies and continue to grow their their earnings per share. Now, there are always going to be periods where that earn and grow stalls, um, even reverses over a period of time. But as long as you're investing in a company that is providing a product or a service, which is going to be needed over time, Um, that company should be able to recover. Just as an example, um, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, cloud computing, these are areas that we've invested in. Uh, Those aren't going away um, because of an event uh, like the coronavirus. Now, you know, certainly there could be a situation where corporate investment uh, cyclically declines and companies that operate in these spaces and in other spaces will um, see a decline in revenue growth or revenue growth will stop earnings growth will stop Um, but this will just be uh, uh, likely a a short-term thing I'm gonna say that you know and I'm gonna take a position here that is somewhat of a contrarian position um, and I don't mean to to downplay the seriousness of something like the coronavirus because it's resulted in a lot of deaths um, a lot of human suffering I mean I can't imagine what it would be like to be in one of these quarantine towns are um, not being able to to leave your home. But from a completely uh, capitalistic uh, investor point of view, um, these things are actually very positive events for investors because we've seen the markets um, just go on a tear over the last 12 um, or so months. And if that type of action continues, you really, that's when you really set yourself up for something like a crash or a major correction or some some type of event in the market, um, whereby you, you end up losing a lot of money at least in the short term um, but what these these scares often do is they, they deheat the market they take some steam out of the market valuations start coming back down to, to reasonable levels or more reasonable levels and they provide opportunities for um, investors to buy good quality companies at a lower level price and this is really the way investing has worked for forever for you know for as long as you can you can track the history of the stock market it's it's short-term events that are seen as negative um, that really provide opportunities to buy stocks um, and buy good companies for for better prices and certainly coronavirus could result potentially in a recession um, in a global recession um, however, if a recession results from something like the coronavirus, um, I believe that it would be a, a more of a, a recession, um, more short term, um, as opposed to something that would be uh, a recession caused by, you know, a, a major acceleration in debt or, or a financial crisis like like 2008. Um, if If a recession is caused by something like an event like the coronavirus, um, then really what that's going to do is that's just going to take a lot of steam out of what is likely an overheated market anyways and provide an opportunity for that market to, to settle down. And once the event is under control, slowly investment will likely start to pick up again. That's just another way to, to look at this. Everybody's always worried about things like corona, um, but there's always there are always risks in the market. I mean, I could list for you uh, a dozen uh, macro risks that exist at any time that could cause a recession, that could cause um, a major correction. That's just the reality of investing in the stock market. And that is the reason why we don't take a, six-year time hori- or a six-month year time or 6 time horizon. We're looking two, three, five, ten 10 years out, and that's the way we invest. And when you look at investing over a time horizon like that, um, most of these, you know, these, these events and these crises really kind of work themselves out and even out over time.
0: Excellent. And you had, uh, some time to look over Berkshire Hathaway's, uh, shareholder, uh, their AGM, the letter that Warren Buffett puts out every year. Uh, what were your thoughts there?
1: Sure. So Warren Buffett's annual, um, letter to shareholders is seen as almost in, by many people like, uh, like, uh, um. Uh, scripture when it comes to the world of investing. Um, Countless money managers um, and investors throughout the world are basically sitting there at their computers waiting for the annual report to come out and reading it because over the years, over decades, it's just been full of of amazing investment advice and anecdotes and um, the history and the description of the, the process and the mentality that Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway uses to generate such great investment success. So uh, I I did look through it and um, it was a pretty quick read. It wasn't very long. I would advise investors to read it themselves. Um, You can just find it on the Berkshire Hathaway website. So nothing really uh, ground shaking in there, just um, a description of what Berkshire Hathaway has been doing and how Warren Buffett sees stocks and stock investing one thing that that one one point that he talked about that I found quite interesting he called it the power of retained earnings so retained earnings um, this is when a company, produces profitability, um, and retained earnings are whatever they keep inside their business. So uh, if they're reinvesting that back in the business or holding that cash on their balance sheet for a future reinvestment, that is referred to as returned retained earnings. And Warren Buffett mentioned um, a book that I'd actually not heard about before, quite interesting. Uh, it was written by a man named Edgar Lawrence Smith in 1924, and the book is called Common Stocks as Long-Term Investments. And Warren Buffett said that this is probably one of the most impactful books on investment mentality in, in, in history. So, previous to this book, uh, Warren says that that investing in common stocks were always seen to be highly speculative. They were just they were seen to be risky gambles. Whereas real investing or gentleman investing was um, was more focused on bonds. Um, however. What Smith um, outlined in his book, which was actually initially not his intention, he was he was going to write a book, apparently that that supported the thesis that that bonds were real investments and stocks were risky. But what he talked about in the book was how the advantage that companies have over bonds when it comes to long term returns basically comes down to retained earnings. So, um, in in good times and in in Many cases, in any time, in any year, a company is not going to distribute all of its earnings in the form of dividends. They're going to keep a portion of those earnings um, inside the business to reinvest for growth. And what this does, does is it creates a compound effect. You're essentially you're compounding your capital over time. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you a quote from John Maynard John Maynard Keynes, who's Love him or hate him, he's one of the uh, he's one of the most influential um, political economists in history. And he said, uh, "Well managed industrial companies do not, as a rule, distribute to shareholders their whole the whole of their earned profits in good years." Not. Or if not in all years, they retain a part of their profits and put them back into the business. Thus, there is an element of compound interest operating in favor of a sound industrial investment. Over a period of time, the real value of the property of a sound industrial is increasing at a compound interest quite apart from the dividend paid out to shareholders. So this provides... This is essentially how Warren Buffett invests. He's looking for companies that are able to generate strong profitability, retain a large portion or all of that profitability into the business to generate compound returns over time. And if you just use an example of, say, a bond nowadays, a 30-year bond trading at uh, providing a yield of about 2%, you would look at that. and You would say, well, if you were to compare that to a stock, that's like a stock um, with a with a price-to-earnings multiple of 50 times, which would be very high, but whereby there's no possibility of earnings growing over the next 30 years. And this is um, not something that would be considered a good investment relative to a common stock, a, a, a company that's not growing earnings um, that is trading at 50 times earnings. that That is not something that we would be interested in at Keystone. So the way to um, really play the stock market, the way to make money in the stock market is to find these businesses that are able to retain those earnings. Of course, the first thing you have to find are businesses that are actually generating earnings and generating profit. And that, of course, is the minimum criteria. So um, Warren went on to, in his his annual general report, to talk about the three basic criteria that they have for uh, a common stock investment. Um, the first being the company must earn good returns on net tangible capital required for its operations. So generating good profitability relative to the capital um, that, that it's investing to generate those earnings. The business must be run by able and honest managers and it must be available at a sensible price. So this is very similar to um, Keystone's investment strategy as well. And uh, it's it's not necessarily rocket science, it's just having a very intelligent approach to finding good solid growth businesses that you can invest in. So I thought that was good advice. Um, any Anybody who wants to invest in common stock should, should um, listen to that very closely.
0: Yeah, the three tenants that he has there are so core to what we look for all the time when we look for investments, it's awesome to see you know that we are kind of mirroring that to some degree and and the retained earnings point is such a simple one uh, the compounding that goes on there but it's such a good point to point out uh, because people uh, they ignore it at times and it's really simple and it uh, really really is powerful in terms of growing uh, businesses over the long term and uh know, those are things that we believe in. And I think if investors keep it simple, the way Warren tries to keep it simple, uh, they're far more successful when they pick those 15 to 25 stocks for their portfolio. And hopefully we can help you with uh, building that portfolio and that you can start off if you're not already a client, come to one of our seminars and we'll show you how we believe you should build your portfolio, which would be far different from the way the average financial advisor in Canada or the US looks at building a portfolio for clients. So we're excited to see those, love to see you all come out to those events and uh, uh, that'll happen over the next month or so. Now, let's get into the couple companies we're going to look at today. The first company. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy, sell or hold um, should be no stranger to listeners. Uh, It comes in, the question comes from Art via email. He says Google or Alphabet posted its quarterly results uh, a couple of weeks ago. What do you think uh, of the numbers? Would Google be a good investment over the next two or three years? And Aaron, you're gonna handle that one.
1: Sure, so Google, there are two classes of shares, uh, GOOG and GOOGL. They both traded a relatively similar price of just under $1,400 per share. Um, the company, the parent, is is Alphabet. It's uh, almost a trillion dollar market cap company, a nine hundred and eighty billion. So Alphabet, being the parent of Google, uh, Google is of course best known for internet search, and it owns an estimated ninety two percent of the internet search market. In addition to search, Google also owns YouTube, Google Cloud Computing, which is the third largest cloud provider in the world, as well as a large portfolio of other applications and businesses, including Gmail and the Android operating system. The parent alphabet also has a business segment referred to as Other Bets, which include more emerging, non-profitable technologies and businesses such as Waymo, which is an autonomous driving technology company. Google Alphabet's stock price is up 24% over the last 12 months. Shares have dropped about 7% over the last week due to overall market volatility as the entire market has been dropping over this period. The company put out its 2019 fourth quarter and annual results a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Q4 revenue increased 17% to $46 billion. Operating income increased 13% to $9.3 billion and earnings per share for the fourth quarter were up 20% to $15.35. For the full year, revenue increased 18% to $162 billion. Operating income was up 24% to $34 billion and earnings per share increased 12% for the year to $49.16. Alphabet does have a cash rich balance sheet with cash and cash equivalents of $109 billion and very minimal debt of only $4 billion. So that's net cash per share of about $150, which is over 10% of the company's current share price in net cash. From a valuation perspective, the company is trading at a price-to-earnings multiple of 29 times or 26 times if we remove the net cash. We like Alphabet and it's a company we've been researching for a while. We've come close to recommending it in the past. Although the company makes the vast majority of its revenue from ad sales, it is well positioned in very attractive technology themes like artificial intelligence, cloud computing, and internet of things. Over the past one or two years, we have made other uh, US tech recommendations in our US research uh, companies which have outperformed Alphabet over that period. One risk I will mention with respect to Alphabet is that, and this also applies to many of the big tech stocks, is that the regulatory environment can change rapidly and has been very politicized recently. The company has been subject to some very large fines which have resulted in earnings volatility. For example, in 2018, Alphabet recorded a $5 billion fine from the European Commission. But Alphabet does check most of our boxes. It's highly profitable, growing, has a strong market leadership position in its space, a cash-rich cash rich balance sheet, and trades at a reasonable valuation. Just touching on the valuation discussion, last week we had Amazon as a Your Stock, Our Take. Amazon and Google both have relatively similar growth in revenue and yet Amazon trades at a price-to-earnings valuation of over 100 times, while Alphabet trades at between 25 to 30 times. One of the things we're doing right now in our U.S. research is putting together what we call a cash-rich report. This is an analysis of virtually every profitable growth stock in the U.S. market that also has a significant net cash balance. Within the report, we're likely to include um, data and some analysis on between 100 to 150 individual stocks that fulfill our basic criteria. And potentially, this would result in one to three new stock recommendations. Alphabet will certainly be included in the report. I don't know right now if it will be a recommendation, but this is something that we're looking at.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good summary on Google, and it certainly does check off a, a good deal of our boxes uh, and may be included, it will be included in that upcoming report, which we look forward to releasing. Let's move on to our final Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on your stock. In a little segment, we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. It's on Good Food Market Corp., symbol F ood on the tsx currently trading at around a dollar or two dollars and 80 cents 168 million dollar market cap what does the company do good food market is a leading canadian online grocery delivering fresh meal solutions and grocery items that make it easy for its members around 230,000 of them from coast to coast in canada to enjoy delicious meals at home every week Now, Good Food has been a tremendous growth story in terms of revenues. Uh, If you look back in 2017, they had just under 20 million in revenues. 2018, it went to 70.5 million. 2019, 161 million. On a trailing 12 months basis, its run rate right now is about 188 million. Not run rate, just on a trailing basis, 188 million. So great growth in revenues there. Last year, like I said, they did 161 million in uh, revenues. The net loss, however, last year was 20.9 million, an increase from 11.9 or 5 million loss in the previous year. Uh, Q1 has come out in 2020, uh, 90% increase in revenue of 56.3 million, but the company is still not profitable. They reached a milestone of 230,000 active members as at November 30th. Uh, Now, the outlook for this company, the online grocery industry is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. Good Foods Management has stated that it is as part of its strategy to delay short-term profitability in order to invest in long-term shareholder value creation. Good Foods Strategy continues to focus on growing its subscriber base while investing in improving its cost structure to achieve its long-term margin goals. Management believes that growing Good Food subscriber base, market share scale, and product offerings will allow the company to deliver greater value to its customers while attaining higher returns. Now, all of this is good in theory, but the company has not proven its model until it can produce at least one significantly profitable year, in our opinion we are impressed by the revenue growth and the scr- subscribers with but with a market cap of around 185 million and the company yet to post positive earnings or funds from operations good food just does not meet our criteria for investment at this stage it is cash rich from recent financings the company will at some point it will continue to though burn through this cash at its current rate and eventually need to raise more capital, diluting existing shareholders. Good food has admirable growth, a good product, which I have sampled myself, but it is in a very competitive space and with low historical margins. While it plans to be profitable in the future, planning it and achieving it are two different animals. So at this point, we would just be monitoring good food.
1: Uh, And I would agree. And and really just to touch on the profitability, I don't necessarily have an issue with a company investing for growth and delaying profitability in order to um, get a better foothold in their market. Uh, from a theoretical perspective, it certainly can make sense um, from an investment perspective um I, I, the issue that I have with that is that we don't know if their business model is ever going to be profitable. So when a company actually comes out and says we don't care about profitability, at least in the short term, um, that that may end up being a good move for them. Um, but on the flip side, what they're really saying to the market is that we don't have to manage our margins, right? So if they're managing, if they're if they're if they're spending to actually generate growth in the future that will one day turn to profitable growth i can understand that i can somewhat get behind it but you don't know if that's what's happening or if really their business model is just never going to be profitable um i can provide some insight as a customer because i was a customer at good for good with good food for for several weeks um I think that their food is very tasty. The recipes are very tasty. I got some really great ideas out of it. I could possibly use them again. Um, my complaint, though, would be I don't necessarily think it's the most family-friendly service if you have young kids. Um I also would say that, you know, there's a lot of work, even though Good Foods does prep some of the food for you, there's still a lot of work that goes into making the meal, which is fine. But I find that, you know, the 25 minutes that they say uh, it's going to take to to prep a meal is I I can't get it done. It usually will take me almost twice the time. So I know that there are I would use Good Food again, potentially, um, but I know that there's a lot of other services out there, too. And that's something that investors have to really you know, consider is the competition that's coming to the market and what what competitive advantage Good Food has um, relative to those the, the the those other companies. Now, if Good Food were growing its subscriber base and found a way to do this profitably, I would say that there's a competitive advantage in their business model. But um, until they're able to generate that profitability, uh, I wouldn't be an investor. Uh, I would agree. Um, it's a very Competitive
0: space has been in the U.S. as well, and I have to say it must be nice to be able to say that uh, you know we're going to forego short short-term profitability to gain market share. Essentially, so you just don't have to be profitable and grow the top line. We're not certain here if the business you know is just spending to acquire clients, and then when they turn off that spending, does the growth rate you know drop considerably? and then you have a low growth company uh, that's slightly profitable so then what multiple do you apply to the stock it does seem to me here like the strategy is to build up this business gain market share share and maybe sell it um, it's it, you know, it could work, but it's just not the model that we typically like to see. I mean, you can understand it, but do you want to invest in it? It holds a higher degree of risk than a company that has been able to be profitable, because talking about profitability, like I said, and achieving it under a business model that can still grow, retain earnings like Warren Buffett talked about, and still grow um, is, is another animal, and this company is not there yet
1: you have to make the you have to make the earnings first before you can retain them
0: (laughs) of course yeah and we're not even close to that at this stage so it's nice to gain market share and you know we've seen it in some businesses but we've seen many companies grow a top line uh, spectacularly but then not be able to grow a bottom line and then the share price has spectacularly dropped over the long term so we're not saying that's gonna happen with good food but it does have at a higher degree of list when uh, or of risk when you're investing in a company that doesn't have a bottom line and has never produced one I think that's gonna do our show for this week I encourage all of you our ticket sales are uh, just have gone up on the site right now I believe for our uh, upcoming DIYs get your tickets right away in many markets they sell out before we get there so I uh, Now, get a ticket right away, and we'll see you over the next couple months in about nine cities across Canada. Thanks, Aaron, for co-hosting with me, and I wish all of you profitable investing.
1: Thank you, profitable investing.